0: Who's here for the Easter egg hunt? Who's here for Jesus? Yeah, all right, all right, all right. That's okay. It's okay if you were here for the Easter egg hunt only. You're gonna get Jesus first. Amen. Amen. Well, today I want to talk about a message that Greg kind of introduced, which is graves into gardens. Graves into gardens. It's a popular worship song that we just sung together, but it's also the nature of all of our lives that we come to Jesus in essence in darkness. We come to Jesus in difficulty. We come to Jesus and our lives could be represented as a grave because there isn't the hope for tomorrow. There isn't hope for life. There isn't joy in our life. There isn't peace in our life. And we come to Jesus much like a grave. And as we encounter Jesus, he turns our grave, our life, our failures, our weakness, our sickness, our sin into gardens. We are transformed in his presence. On Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate the fact that Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. We celebrated on Good Friday together as a community that Jesus was nailed to a cross for our sin. We celebrate Holy Saturday, the fact that we have this solemn day in between and And then we come to today and we celebrate the fact that Jesus rose again. And what an amazing celebration it is. And the thought that Jesus rose again is amazing. And and yet there's something even more personal for each one of us. You see, as Jesus rose up from that grave and defeated death, and defeated sin, and defeated sickness, and defeated weakness, and defeated failures, and defeated discouragement, and defeated anxiety. He did that for us. And he actually did that as us. So when Jesus was resurrected and came to new life and breathed for the first time and walked out of that tomb, we walked out of that tomb as well. You see, into the tomb, a seed was planted. And out of that tomb, a garden burst forth. We read in John chapter 19, verse 41... Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. It's amazing, but just in the shadow of this violent, Death penalty, known as the cross, in the shadow of the most violent act in all of history, in the shadow of this man, this innocent man being crucified in the most horrific way, in the shadow of that cross, oh, there was a garden. And in this particular garden, there was a tomb. And in this particular tomb, no one had ever been laid. And it's in this tomb, in this garden, in the shadow of that cross, that Jesus is laid. And Jesus goes into the tomb, and this tomb was one of a kind. The tomb of Jesus was one of a kind. There's never been a tomb like this tomb, and there's never been a tomb since, because this tomb was one of a kind, but was for all mankind. And Jesus is placed in this tomb as a body, but also as a seed. That as Jesus is placed in this tomb, we are placed in this tomb. All of humanity is placed in this tomb. Chapter 20, verse 1, we continue to read. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now, we don't know why Mary went to the tomb. We don't have the backstory of what drew her there. But all we knew is that Mary Magdalene was drawn to the tomb. And she was drawn to the tomb, it says, while it was still dark. And I couldn't help but think this is the story of Mary Magdalene's life because she was a prostitute. She was demonically possessed by seven demons her life was dark overcome with emotional and mental illness and frailties and weakness And while she was in the dark in life, aimlessly wandering through life, blindly trying to navigate her way through life, she actually met Jesus. And when she met Jesus, she was delivered from these seven demons that were tormenting her. You see, this picture of her arriving at the tomb while it is still dark is the story of Mary's life. She met Jesus while her life was still dark. And she's peering into a dark tomb, thinking she's going to find darkness. But she doesn't. She actually finds a tomb bursting forth with light. As two angels were there. In verse 11 of John chapter 20. It says Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept she stooped and looked in she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. And the angels asked her, dear woman, why are you crying? And she says, because they've taken away my Lord. They took away the body of Jesus. And I don't know where they have put them. She turned to leave and she saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, please tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Now, there's a few layers to this. Number one, Peter and John came to the tomb already and had left already, but Mary wanted to linger just a little while longer. Mary is the first person to encounter the resurrected Lord, and she didn't recognize him. Why didn't she recognize him? Was she blinded by the light of the angels? Were her eyes so blurry from crying? Had God kept her from seeing and recognizing Jesus as Jesus? She heard his voice, but for some reason didn't recognize that it was Jesus and thought that he was the gardener. She didn't recognize him. Now we'll come back to that in a moment. This scene reminds me of another scene that Jesus talks about. Last week, we looked at the encounter at Mary and Martha's house, sitting at the table with Lazarus, and in that same account of John chapter 12, Jesus talks about a kernel of wheat that is important. He says this in verse 23 of chapter 12 of John. He says, "'The time has come for the Son of Man "'to enter into his glory. "'I tell you the truth, "'unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, "'it remains alone. "'But its death will produce many new kernels, "'a plentiful harvest of new lives.'" What Jesus is referring to is, is a kernel of wheat is the seed of wheat. And that kernel of wheat must be taken and planted. In other words, that kernel of wheat, in a sense, dies by being planted into the ground. And if that seed is planted into the ground and the seed itself actually dies, it will yield this multiplying harvest, this fruitful harvest. And then I think about this tomb. And I think about the fact that Jesus is that kernel of wheat that he's referring to. And that when his body was laid down in a tomb, it was actually a seed being planted into new soil. And that brand new tomb that we read about is actually a brand new pot of soil that Jesus is planted in. And in his death, there will be a resurrection. Not just the son of God being resurrected, but in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all of humanity is resurrected to new life. And although one seed went into the tomb, humanity walked out of the tomb. One seed was planted, but a harvest grew. And many of us in this room are that harvest. See, each time a seed dies, it makes room for a plant to live. A few years ago, I... I found out for the first time in my life that acorns are actually the seed of an oak tree. How many people did not know that? Thank you. I thought it was going to be just me. I really did. And so I took an acorn and I soaked it in water. And I put it into soil. And I grew a little baby oak tree. And now I'm going to show you a video of that oak tree. So we're going to play that quickly. This is the acorn. It goes into the soil. This happens over about, I'd say, six to seven months Notice how this acorn throws off this shell and it begins to sprout. And this journey is about seven or eight months. It's making its way up to the surface. This is complete darkness, by the way. It finally bursts forth into the light. It begins to grow and you can see this beautiful little sapling that grows. And eventually... In about 200 years, <laughs> this tree is going to be huge. Oak trees are strong, powerful. The branches are strong. If, there's, free, um, there's free seeds, actually. If you want to plant an oak tree in your yard, just go down to town center, and there's lots of oak trees. And you can walk along the sidewalk... At fall time, and you can get oak tree seeds for free. So, if you're planning on going out and buying an oak tree at like Art Naps or Triple Tree or Cedar Rim or wherever you go, don't do it. They're free, they're at Lafarge. You're welcome. You're welcome. Don't look for them today, because I tried this morning. I walked a good 15 minutes, and all I found was the leftovers of squirrels that had eaten said acorns before they got to grow into these beautiful little saplings and 200 years from now been a beautiful oak tree. I couldn't find one, but you will find them in the fall. Now, that wasn't my oak tree, also. I don't want to be taken the wrong way. I did not do a time lapse video for eight months. I don't have that kind of time. This is somebody else. He did a fantastic job. Anyway, I digress. But the point of this acorn is that an acorn must be placed into darkness. The soil has to be kept very wet. eventually the seed within it will break out of this shell and that shell is no longer needed and that shell is thrown off and discarded and new life begins to break forth. And I thought to myself, you know what? That is our life. We are acorns in the hands of a gardener. And we come to Jesus and he takes us and we go through this death and resurrection process in our life. And things might look bleak and things might look dark like they did for Mary Magdalene. And things might look hopeless and things might look discouraging. And you might be anxious and you might be fearful and you might be just at the end of your rope where darkness is all around you and you can't even see the light, when you put your hands and your life into Jesus, when you put your entire being into his hands, he will turn what is lost and what is dark and what is empty and what is discouraging and what is anxious and what is fearful, and he will bring new life to you because you've put your life into the hands of the gardener. And pretty soon you'll begin to sprout forth as a new creation, Resurrection power for each and every one of us. In the hands of Jesus. I was reading this fascinating story about a woman who is right, who is running in one hundred and two marathons in one hundred and two days. I haven't even driven that many marathons. I've run like 16K is my max and I eventually want to run like a half and a full. She's run, do you know how long a marathon? A marathon is like 42.2 kilometers, something like that. 42 kilometers every day to break the world record. Every single day. She's 46 years old. I have hope. When she was 41, she could barely run a five kilometer race. What's her name? Her name is Jackie Hunt Broersma. Now, you might be impressed by this, but in 2001, it was found that she had cancer around the leg just below the knee. And in 2001, she had one of her legs amputated. Gone. She now has prosthetic blades. And she is currently running, today will be her 91st marathon straight. I'm a little guilty about my running game. But the point is, she does this hashtag, I can do all things. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like she could run a marathon with one leg. She could run 102 marathons in 102 days on one leg. And I thought, you know, that's life. (laughs) That's our journey. I mean, we're running the best we can. And then we begin to realize that we actually have like emotional, mental, and spiritual cancer growing throughout our bodies. And we come to Jesus and we put our lives into his hands and we are resurrected to new life And we begin to do things that we've never, ever even hoped or dreamed or been able to do before. It doesn't mean that we don't limp. It doesn't mean that we'll have no difficulties. It doesn't mean that we might not look a little bit funny sometimes. But he gives us ability to do what we could never do before. Mary sees the Lord. And it says this in verse uh, 16 of chapter 20 of John. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. And Jesus said to her, don't cling to me for I haven't yet ascended to the father, but go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. You see, it was the moment that Jesus said her name that her eyes were opened up and she realized this is Jesus teacher this is teacher, this is my savior, this is my Lord. Her eyes were open when he said her name. There's just something about when Jesus says our name and he calls us and he says, Joel, come to me. You who are weary and heavy laden, Joel, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you living water. I will give you life. I will give you ability to do what you could never have done before. She sees the Lord. And then he says something very peculiar. He says, my God and your God. My father and your father, Mary. She is redefined. Mary, the follower of Jesus... Becomes Jesus' sister.